I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast, sponsored by Faith Guitars. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Mark Packham. Hello there. And that's it. And on this week's episode, we're going to be discussing all the latest news in the world of guitars and taking questions from the Guitar Nerds Facebook group. To join the discussion, follow the links in the description of this podcast or visit facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum. Now, we, we, we also need to welcome aboard the uh, the Patreon train, as, as, as Mark, you, you suggested. We're now going to introduce all our new patrons at the start of uh, of each episode. Just, you know, the, the new ones, the people of... Uh, who have who have joined us? So yeah, for, uh, for those that have ponied up the ten dollars, you're still going to get your uh, mention in the song at the end of the episode, uh, and that really is still a special place to be contributing to Guitar Nerds at ten dollars a month. Um, we're still going to give you an excellent uh, shout out at the end, but we thought it might be nice, you know, as people sign up, just to welcome them to the uh, the Patreon family, um, and uh, yeah, give them a little shout out at the start of the episode. Yes, absolutely. So, so thank you very much to to Erin uh, Montiel, to Paul Farrell, Andrew Pope, Mark Hadley, uh, Ben Bollinger, Justin Setters. There've been a, a, a fair few this week. Um, Jamie Dell and Carl Tucker. That's because I uh, brought it up last week and made everyone feel guilty for not contributing. You know, we're like two hundred and fifty episodes in, and people are really starting to feel that they've yeah. been with us for. Oh, probably over 300 hours if you factor yeah. in all the gear of the years and stuff like that. Um, and now people are really feeling like, yeah, even at the $1 tier, I need to be giving something back to the guitar nerds. Yes, and, was, you know, that is much appreciated. That, that was effective advertising by you last week. Uh, one more. Uh, there, there's a new addition to the $10 tier, uh, $10 tier, a return, in fact. It's not really a new addition of Joffrey Woggs. Who has uh, uh, who's who's returned? He was previously on there as the as the TV Museum podcast, which is his podcast, which you should uh, listen to. But he realised uh, I I forgot that he'd messaged me and said, "Don't read out the podcast name, read out my my name." And then I forgot, so he made it easy for me by cancelling his subscription and then reapplying with his actual name. This podcast looks great. I mean, I literally know nothing about the Larry Sanders show, or uh, indeed, I know a little bit about the Andy Griffith show, but. Um, yeah, this looks all right. They t- they discuss friends. They discuss uh, 
What else? I'm going back. Remington Steel, great show. Oh, fantastic Cla- show. Classic bit of Pierce Brosnan. Moonlighting. Uh, Do they discuss moonlighting? There's no moon. Oh, I don't know. There's there's a lot of episodes. As um, a child, I had a poster hidden on the inside of the <laughs> no, door underneath my bed. Yeah, yeah. So my bed was one of those things. You know, it had like uh, like cabinets beneath like a, it, like, like a s- cabin bed. Yeah, um, I guess so. Just cut. There was a cupboard underneath the bed, yeah. but I I realised that I could kick in the back wall of the cupboard and turn it into a secret hiding place. So I could right. go through the cupboard door into the back, and that was where I kept all my posters. So on the inside of the door to my cupboard, I had a I had a, a poster of Bruce Willis in his big white hat that he wore uh, in Moonlighting. <laughs> That is is 100% uh, true. The life of an early teenage Joe Branton was hiding Bruce Willis posters in a cupboard. Yeah, that was was it. It was was obviously a a, a weird time for me, a troubling time for me. All my posters were either the tennis player Anna Kornikova or Bruce Willis. Blimey. Uh, Yeah, so it's... uh, Yeah, anyway, enough... Enough about me. It's uh, Nam is pretty much finished. Now, the reason it's just me and you uh, this week, Mark, is obviously because Matt and Jay are, are both still at Nam. It looks like they had a fantastic time. Um, yeah, yeah. The I, photos look good. Uh, our most liked ever Instagram post is a picture of Matt clinging on to the uh, oversized Boss Metal Zone that was on the Boss booth. Uh, yeah. 2,000 likes and counting. It's getting a, it's getting a lot of love. All the big, work big that I put into the, the photo studio that I have set up for all the gear that we get sent and, and he gets, whatever, 10 times the amount of average likes that we get on a post from well, standing out, next to a big pedal. All you need is an oversized metal zone and yeah. everyone's suddenly in love. You know, it's Yeah, fantastic. the internet loves that stuff. Yeah, but uh, 2020 NAM, I think, looks like it was probably, probably the best NAM that I can remember, like you know, in the last ten years, for for sort of for for gear, new releases, and just popular st- stuff that people are getting excited about. You yeah, know, I, I I remember sort of a couple of years ago, Nam was almost more about the personalities that were at Nam than the products being released because it, because you know the the products were so you know sort of mundane, I guess. But this year, it just seems to be. Every single brand that you want to be releasing something has released something amazing. And then the brands that you've never even thought of releasing something amazing have also released something amazing. Well, yeah, we're uh, we're not even going to touch on Fender this week. as you know, We didn't even talk about Fender last week. We're not going to talk about it this week, so we're going to wait for Jay to get back. And even so, I think we've got more than enough releases here to cover the main podcast and the Patreon episode and yeah. probably talk about a bit more next week as well when, when the other two are back and they can talk about the things that they saw at the show, what their faves were, and we cover all the Fender stuff as well. So, yeah, yeah we're... In- Basically, what we're saying is we're getting three weeks out of NAMM. Easy content. <laughs> Real easy content Easy for content us. for us. But yeah, it, it will be interesting to see actually how Matt and Jay... I mean, we know what Jay's going to like. It'll be interesting to see how Matt... If if he differs in what he likes from what I think we like being back here and just seeing press releases and stuff to see if anything really jumped out when he actually got to try things. Um, did he actually get to try anything or was he just working the whole he time? He did. It looks like he had a very successful last day uh, at NAM, wandering around on the Sunday trying out bits and bobs. Um, Good. He really got to get around to a few things that I didn't expect him to as well. So I think I think he uh, he probably had a pretty good time, but I, I'm sure we'll hear about that next week. Also, kind of, I guess, for, 
you know, we talk about sort of new NAM releases and and what they and we talk about new new stuff on this podcast every week. What's coming out that's new, and I get excited about loads of things that are coming out. But whilst I might say it, I rarely ever am in a piece of gear puts me in the mindset where I'm like, oh, I do actually have to buy that. Because a lot of the time I'm like, this is very exciting, but I also own something very similar, you know, or something like that. But this this year, for the first time in a long time, I'm, I'm like, there are, there are actually things I have to buy. Oh, you've just reminded me, I bought a guitar this week. We can oh, talk about it okay. in a minute, but um, let's let's talk about what your, your NAM thing first, and then I'll oh. talk about what I bought this week. Yes, we should absolutely talk about that, because what you purchased was very cool. Now, it, it's just because... So, here's the thing. The new Epiphone catalogue. Yeah. Obviously, we spoke about this. We spoke about it last week before we knew the models. The models have come out now, have been released. We're not going to go over it, because um, you know, we, we described them all, certainly from the picture, and it is... Um, what's expected there are a few additions but i'm sure we'll touch on that when when uh, matt and jay uh, are back in the picture one but thing th- we didn't talk about last week when we were talking about the epiphones i know we talked about the um uh texan that is coming out the us made texan acoustic yeah um but i have also seen that they are doing a us made casino as well um really? yeah let me just see if i can get up the uh that's that's very cool indeed. Now, one of the details about it, uh, and it, it looks, it, you know, if you're a Beatles fan, those are the two guitars really, like the Texan and a Casino. They are two great guitars to be playing. Yeah. Um, let's have a look. Where was it? But yeah, yeah, on the, I mean, the other things that Epiphone put out, which was very exciting, was of course, and we spoke about last week, the their new Les Paul custom with the newly designed headstock, and of course the the Les Paul special, the Junior style guitar with with two P90s. Both of those being in the range, both of those are incredibly affordable price points, and you know now with with fixed headstocks, everything about them looks better. It looks like it's more than just a, a headstock upgrade. They they look like absolutely fantastic guitars. In in I think both cases, like you know, sub the five hundred pound mark. So th- there's there's that. Do I get an Epiphone Les Paul custom or a uh, or or a, a Les Paul special or you know, what was what? Go on, Mark. What were you going to say about the the about casino? The casino? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks like there's a US one coming, which is cool. Uh, that's all they had it on the booth. <laughs> they're, they're basically, they had it on the booth. A few sites are running pictures and stuff of it, and the headstock and stuff, and it looks great. Uh, but there's no details. Um, it looks okay. like the, the details are, are on their way. Okay, so here's the thing, Mark and listener. It's like that on one side. We've got this incredibly affordable range of uh, of Epiphones. Let's not forget there's also an an SG with a vibratone on it. That that you know that's that's also very cool. And then on the other side, we have these vintage Joe Doe's, which we spoke about last week, and they are coming with a tweed hard case for five hundred and ninety nine pounds. That's a strap and a tweed hard case. And some of the coolest looking guitars, you know, you can ever see. They obviously have the Lucky Betty, which I went on about last week, which is a a bound Strat style guitar with a single TV Jones style pickup in the bridge, but then a a, a variable sort of a single to humbucker splitty tappy thing uh, going on on one of the controls. I mean, you know, for for a sort of a guitar that's hitting that five hundred pound mark, so we're talking just above entry level, but before we're getting onto the serious pro stuff, it's the sort of thing that you know I think most guitar fanatics could easily you know sell something and and buy 
you know, buy one of those four. So I'm I'm in a huge dilemma now of whether I get one of the new Epiphones, whether I get a Joe Doe. Well, I mean, there's also a few other things. Just looking at the list of things we're going to discuss in this podcast in terms of the news, there's a whole load of stuff in there that also could be fighting for your wallet. Uh, and I guess we'll talk about that when we when we do the news. But, I mean, there's things from Harmony and things from Eastman um, yeah. and some more stuff from Vintage as well. Didn't, did we talk about the Vintage stuff last week as well as the Jodo, uh, there's the, the new Relic range? Um, so we talked, uh, so actually there are two Reddick ranges. Okay, so you- well, well, let's come to that in the news then. But yeah, what I'm saying is there's lots of things fighting for your uh, for your wallet. Yes, I in guess In terms so. of the Epiphone or the Jodo, oh, I need to play them first. I need to see what those new Epiphones feel like. I think that's going to be the uh, the key thing is how they play because they look spot on. Um, but yeah, how do they play? Are they going to be... Uh, is it going to be like just the step down from the kind of USA May Gibson stuff, uh, or is it going to be you know is it going to be any sort of upgrade over the uh, the current line? We'll have to see. Yeah. And yeah. same for the Joe Do's actually. Obviously, you know I'm very used to his custom stuff and know what that plays like, and it's custom build and very very lovely, very expensive guitars. Be very interested to see how that's translated to a mass produced uh, guitar from uh, from vintage. So yes, very exciting stuff. Yeah, super cool. Well, I guess then with uh, with kind of no further ado, um, I want to talk about my new guitar. Oh, sorry, yes, the absolutely. Yeah, so, I'm, yeah. I'm very sorry. Yeah, That's talk right. about well, your new guitar. This is basically a follow up from uh, last week when during the podcast I sent an email to a shop near me and said, "Have you still got this? Because I want to buy it." Uh, I saw it on your website. Uh, is and uh, yeah, and so basically, I bought a nineties uh, Dan Electro uh, DC fifty nine. So the the double cut. Uh, no, it's version. such a good guitar. The DC fifty nine. Um, the key thing being that it's one of the nineties ones, which for me, I, I love the build quality on those. So the nineties ones, they didn't color match the back of the neck. Is that right? They went uh, for no, a this plain one, maple. No, this one is color matched, and so the same for the headstock matching. No, is it matching headstock? No, not matching headstock, but it does have a uh, painted neck at the back. Um, it also <coughs> excuse me, has the concert- dual concentric knobs, which I'm not normally a fan of on guitars, but I am a fan of on Dan Electros because they give you a whole range of tones on there. Um, and it sounds... Uh, the key thing is uh, it's in peach, which is just one shade away from the guitar nodes colour of choice, which is pink. Um, and it looks amazing. It's It plays really nicely. I mean, you can tell, obviously, they're a budget instrument. It's not, you know, like... The, you can feel the difference between like my Les Paul Jr. and this Dan Electro. Um, but really nice thing to have around the house because it's so loud acoustically. So as well as sounding great when you plug it in and those lipstick pickups do sound really good, it's really nice to just like have on the sofa and you can just noodle away. You get loads of volume out of it. Um, yeah, very, very cool thing indeed. I haven't put any pictures up yet, but I will do. I'll put them in the Guitar Nerds group. Uh, that is super cool. Peach is, a, peach is an underrated colour. You don't see enough peach guitars. Maybe it's because of the dominance of shell pink at the yeah, moment. Yeah, it's like it's it's kind of got a slightly kind of browner finish than shell pink. It's hard to it, that doesn't sound nice, but it is. It's a it's a it's a slightly darker, slightly bit more, more salmony. Yeah, a bit more salmony uh, uh, to it, and it yeah it, it looks great. And I'm yeah I'm very happy. Been wanting one of the '90s ones for a while, uh, and I saw this pop up, and I was like, yeah, I'll I will have that. So at the moment we have the uh, inventory is the Les Paul Junior. Obviously that's going nowhere. The P bass going nowhere, and then in terms of other guitars. I'm actually playing just the Dan Electro, um, which is is super cool. And there's a couple of bits that I'm selling. So wow, yeah, 
Yeah, slim. Is. So that's the Dan Electro. I guess that always happens with it, with you know anyone when they've got a new guitar. The new guitar becomes the the main sort of sofa guitar, as it were, the guitar that you have out to play all the time. Uh, yeah, exactly that. That is the one that it's just it's fun to noodle around on it. You know, it like plays nicely, sounds good acoustically, um, and yeah, just it's a it's a cool thing. I was just thinking actually, the other guitar that I've got at the moment is the uh, the Sparkle Pink Strat Squire oh, Strat. You which still is, have that? I still got it. It's under the sofa. That is the guitar that's waiting for mod mode. Mod mode. And again, you know, going back to Patreon, we're not that far off the no. uh, our goal of doing mod mode videos for exclusive for Patreon backers. We're at. We wanted to get to fifteen hundred dollars a month. We're at twelve four three at the moment. So yeah. basically, we need two hundred and fifty ish people uh, who listen to the podcast to donate one dollar, and then we'll start doing mod mode videos. That'll be an ongoing series on Patreon. Or if you're feeling generous, you know, don't, um, donate five or ten dollars. We'll get there faster. Yeah, absolutely right. Okay, so I really feel at this stage we should um, dive headfirst into. Well, I'm gonna pour myself a drink and we're going to dive headfirst into a big old barrel of news. So, first up in the news, Mark Packham, talk to Hello. me about the uh, about this very exciting new release from um Line 6. Yeah, Line 6 uh, tend to use the NAMM show as a place to unveil brand new stuff. Um, when I was there a few years ago, they had they do like a little kind of press conference slash gig, uh, kind of almost like, you know, an Apple keynote. Uh, I don't know if they did it this year for the pod, but they, they have an announced a new Pod Go, um, which is floor-based pod, uh, I would say building off some of the technology they've been developing for Helix um, or, uh, the you know, the HX range. Um, Big problem with this one. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't appear to be either red or kidney-shaped. Uh, yeah, well, you know, the pod has a history going back to, you know, Pod XT and Pod Live... Uh, pod yeah. three live is that what it was called? I, don't, I can't remember. Um, there's always been floor based pods. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, this is the the latest iteration. And it is 1998 yeah. was the first pod. Yeah, I know. It's a long time ago. We talked about this. We talked yeah, about know, this many times. Um, so yeah, Pod Go seems to be a kind of slightly stripped back, slightly more uh, budget friendly version of something like uh, Helix LT. Um, seems kind of more in the range of, I guess, just a average gigging musician. MSRP is two. Uh, sorry, six hundred and twenty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. That made sense, right? Didn't it? Two, yeah. six, six, two, nine. Um, yeah. And so I'd imagine pound wise, they're going to be like five nine nine or five seven nine. Weird like that. price point this because it's putting itself kind of in this in almost exactly the same area as the HX effects. And I appreciate, and and that puts it in exactly the same place as the Stomp. I appreciate this that all three of those those products offer something slightly different. Yeah, but I would I would. Whilst they offer something different, wouldn't it make more sense to tier things price-wise rather than having just three things at the same price that offer you know, slight differences on the same thing? 
Yeah, again, I'd be really kind of keen to get my hands on this and go side by side with the other stuff because I think you know they're claiming that it you know it uses um, amp, cab, and effect modeling from the HX process. Certainly does, yeah. And and you've got the same ability to load in your IRs as you yep. did with the Helix. Certainly, it looks like the um, all the effects are straight off of the Helix as the as are the amp models. Um, you know, that's very cool. Yeah, um, the one thing that it's missing over something like the LT is that there's no XLR outs on the back, although they are saying that there's balanced outputs, um, so I assume the jacks on there are balanced for recording. Um, it's, it's Basically, it's a product to sit somewhere in between Helix LT and the Stomp, um, because yeah. you've got how many foot switches on the front? Well, you've got eight, eight. which is the same as the HXFX, and actually they're 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 designated in the same manner as well. So you've got on the final left... HX effects your... is different though, isn't it? Because it's just effects. There's it no... It's just the effects, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And this this is offering a complete solution. You can download your own IRs into there. You can access all their AMP models. It's a wonderful... This, the, the pod Go, whilst I guess the word Go sort of... At, you know, promotes this as being a product for for actual gigging musicians. I think this is a a completely fantastic studio tool, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the eight switches lined out in the same way as the HX effects. So your far left two switches are your banking. Then you've got an A, B, C, and D uh, switches. Your next four in a row, and then you've got your your mode, which I assume it, which is switching between the modes. It says that it includes snapshot mode, which was the best thing for me about the uh, about the helix uh, tough to explain snapshot to people who don't know uh, don't, don't don't use a helix but um, the snapshot mode is something that I think boss dropped the ball on in not having anything that really did that on the GT1000 and and then yeah the other switch is the is the tuner and tap temper so exactly the same yeah just to um to give you an idea price wise like uk pound price wise as to where this sits in the range hx stomp right now is sitting at roughly 400 pounds right like 395 ish um hx effects uh is hang on let's have a look uh hx effects this can't can't be more than 500 pounds uh, no, they are way less than that. In fact, they are at the moment. Uh, loads of UK stores have got them at three hundred and seventy-nine pounds. So, oh. so, and then LT is the is quite a jump up. Uh, again, price-wise, you're looking at kind of like seven four nine. Is a lot yeah. of shops are selling them for at the moment. Yeah. Um, so this actually does sit at quite an interesting price point because it is somewhere in between the HX Stomp and HX Effects at the I lower can't, end. I can't help but think. That if I was going to spend sort of five six hundred pounds on the Pod Go, that I would drum up the extra two hundred pounds for a LT. Yeah, but LT. would you though? What I mean, realistically, what are the things that you need on the LT that this doesn't have? Well, that's uh, a very good point. I mean, um, uh, to me, it mostly looks like kind of functionally ins and outs on there are one of the main things. You know, if you need the XLRs, then obviously LT has the XLRs. Uh, it also has slightly bigger screen um, and uh, um, there's a few other bits as well. But I mean, I just think that this is for someone who's been curious about uh, the kind of heat getting into the world of Helix and, and this sort of... Um, this type of processor, but can't, you know, the the LT might be too much when you're looking at, yeah, what did I say? Like 749 749, yeah. Um, and then obviously the, the full-size Helix is above that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's actually a cool little unit and I can see this doing very, very well indeed. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a fantastic unit. It's great to have the pod brand 
back. And you know what? Like Line Six have absolutely changed their <laughs> sort of their their history over the last well, whenever the Helix came out. And this is a fantastic addition. It's you know astute. It's it's the right sort of product for the way guitar players are interacting at the moment. And to make something more affordable is a great idea. Um, you know, certainly when we're seeing things like, you know, we, we had the uh, the Kemper, uh, what do they call the Kemper one? The Kemper floor? Sorry, I've totally forgotten what that is. Yeah. Uh, whatever the Kemper one was called, the Kemper pedal board. And then, you know, you had um, the, the neural DSP um, being teased, their version being teased, which was a $1,500 incarnation of a of of what a helix is i kind of think line six are going down the right route of making more affordable versions of things that have the same brilliant sounds that they had accessible on the helix this this seems like the right product yeah it looks uh very sturdily built as well which is always uh you know a bonus for something you're going to be stamping on um yeah i'm into it i think uh this is definitely the right move looks absolutely very very good indeed Absolutely. Now, one of the most exciting new pieces of bass news from Nam this year was it was incredibly surprising. It was that Ashdown have introduced their own basses. Now, they they introduced four different um, body shapes with varying scale lengths available in in some of those body shapes as well, which is pretty cool. Now, amp brands, when they move into the the realms of making guitars, it is a really awkward transition unless you're going to introduce something incredibly uh, boutique. It is a very difficult thing to do. For example, I think Friedman did a good job when they moved from... I mean, Friedman had the advantage of moving from making boutique amps into making boutique guitars. So they, they had that prestige that came with their brand from the start. But very difficult when you're an amplifier brand that, yes, Ashdale makes some fantastic top of the range stuff for sort of three thousand pound plus but their bread and butter amplifiers are are combos and you know sort of five to seven hundred pound heads you know they've really been focusing on their studio range and their entry level range their class d stuff recently so they're they're and and certainly you would say that their mag series is probably the most seen in sort of student accommodation <laughs> um base rigs you know in the world so they're they're kind of a range that are thought of more not especially for their high-end boutique stuff so when they introduce bases this is going to be problematic it was problematic for orange when they introduced their bases a couple of years ago they introduced sort of a three four hundred pound very cool looking p base pickup single cut les paul junior style base but so tricky when you've got you know in their case the big orange logo on the headstock it almost doesn't matter how good the base is it comes with a sort of uh well you're not really a base manufacturer sort of review from from the general public so tricky thing for ashdown to do now that lee at, at ashdown sent me pictures of, of these bases um uh ahead of when they they released because you know because in in polymath in my band i'm endorsed by ashdown amps so i or I endorse Ashdown Amp, so I play all their gear. And Lee, Lee sent me pictures of the the bases ahead of the um, ahead of the release, and I was like, "Wow, these!" I was like, "These look just like uh, look like Lackland bases," which I'm a massive fan of. Being a big The Mars Volta fan um, during the time period that The Mars Volta were recording the main bulk of their records, uh, um, Juan Aldrich was playing 
uh, a Lackland, a white Lackland jazz bass. So I've kind of, I'm always toying with the idea of getting a Lackland. They're certainly always in my like frequently searched things on reverb. Um, so, you know, I was like, oh, wow, these these look like Lackland. And of course, Lackland aren't being made anymore. But Dan Lackin, um, he... Uh, he makes he has his own Dan Lacking or D Lacking custom shop. And I've been looking at those, thinking about them, but they're a lot of money for Fender style guitars. So when Ashdown sent me through, when Lee from Ashdown sent me through these pictures, I was like, these look a lot like Lacklands. And he was like, yeah, they're made by Dan Lacking. So this was a very long story. But um, Ashdown have actually got on board with one of the best bass manufacturers of the last, you know, 10, 20 years. And got him to make these Ashdown basses, so they haven't made a mistake at all. These are these are fantastic instruments made by a very very respected luthier, and they're putting them out at, at all of them are under a thousand pounds retail each. And they've introduced a uh, a Thunderbird style um, bass. They've introduced a, a precision style, a jazz style, and they've introduced one that, that is kind of more a, a completely unique shape. It reminds reminds me of the sort of Reverend shape, a sort of a Almost lower half music man, upper half Jaguar is the best way I can describe it. But the uh, great names, Low Rider is the name for the uh, the Thunderbird style bass. The Saint is the name for the, the, the weird music man Jaguar crossbreed. The Ark is the uh, the P bass and the Grail is the is the jazz bass style bass. The Grail, the jazz bass, available in in 30, 30 inch and 34 inch scale length starts 899 pounds and you know it's a relatively standard range of colors that they've introduced them in but my goodness we just got lackland instruments back made well, by ashdown at great prices i was going to stop you there actually because they are in fact still in production um the lackland stuff um I, as far as I oh know, it's dan lackland's left is yeah there, yeah so, exactly yeah. that so yeah the brand is still going and to be honest they still make some fantastic instruments um just looking right now at some stuff that's actually available in the uk um through uh, you know th- through some of the biggest stores still have them uh, and they still make you know a few of their classics so the daryl jones for example great jazz alternative absolutely um, Fantastic. Such a, a, a really slight adjustment in shape on the Daryl Jones from the yeah, standard yeah. jazz, but it looks lovely. Yeah, and the um, the hollow body always really nice. Thought that was a good alternative for someone who, you know, perhaps was looking at like an old EBO or something like that, um, yeah. but wanted something. But yeah, I mean, I've always been a big fan of the brand. You know, they used to make the, the Duck Dunn signature P bass, um, yeah, which was wonderful. always fantastic. But they were occasionally difficult to get hold of. And um, yeah, it looks like they're just coming into a few UK stores right now. Um, and yeah, so great to see, uh, you know, another alternative out there. And I've always been a big fan of his designs. And yeah, these um, these Ashton bases look really good. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, a, a welcome addition. And, you know, um, I'm, you know, I'm sure Jay Cross won't be happy with the competition, but I really think at that sort of price point from such a respectable brand, I actually think this is going to be a, a real success for Ashdown. I think this is going to be a, a great new line of things that they've uh, that they've introduced. Did you mention pricing or anything? Yeah, I mean everything's below a thousand pounds. You've yep. got things like the jazz bass starting at you know like eight nine nine, which is mm-hmm. which is a wonderful price for the for the sort of quality instruments you're going to be getting in this case. You know, there's nothing. They're not crazy. Like the finishes are all pretty basic, standard. Block, you know, just straight colours. But um, you know, they're going to be wonderfully built. Yeah, these these are very very cool instruments. Anyway, moving on, I guess to something uh, a little bit more out there. 
mentioned a lot on our Facebook group recently, mainly by me. But Mark, talk to us about the new <laughs> Harmony. Yeah, so uh, Harmony guitars, we talked about them a load in the Gear of the Year podcasts. Um, have They've just launched a brand new model um, to the standard series line. The Juno is... Um, hard to describe, really. Uh, did we, I think we might have talked about it a few weeks back when we first saw some pictures of it, and then we were going to wait until there was some stuff announced for NAM. So That's it's, right, yeah. um, the idea of the Juno is a slightly smaller body guitar. Um, they describe it as perfect grab-and-go guitar. Uh, take it anywhere you want to go. Um, and, yeah, I would say it's kind of Les Paul Jr.-ish, um, two pickups, or I guess Les Paul Special-ish, because it's two pickups, single volume control, um, and then a three-way switch. But the body shape is significantly smaller than, firstly, anything else in their line, but also smaller than most guitars. Um, Still a full 25-inch scale length um, with like just a regular C-neck profile, they describe it as. So I think in terms of feel, it's not going to feel particularly different from playing uh, regular electric guitar. Um, But the body shape is very, very small, and it almost looks... Well, I mean, it looks kind of undersized. Well, it was... Um, It's 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 a... it's a reissue, essentially, of the Harmony um, H44 Stratotone, which was the the original model. The difference with the H44 is it was very much um, released as a as a junior guitar. So, um, in the case of the H44, it had uh, like an acoustic guitar bridge, um, and then it just had one mini humbucker in the neck position. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, actually. I, yeah, I hadn't even... I've seen these guitars before and I didn't even connect the dots on this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, because well, I mean, they've... they've Essentially, what Harmony have done have modernised, ironed out, ironed out all those creases, given it a decent pickup selection, a proper bridge. Um, they've made it suitable for a modern player. Whereas, you know, these old... They were made in, like, the mid-50s, the old Harmony H44s, and they are... They ooze so much cool, it's almost unbelievable. But... I'm sure when it comes to application, certainly to more modern forms of music, the H44 is going to be relatively limited. Guitar Nerds is brought to you in association with Faith Guitars. Based right here in the UK, Faith Guitars are designed by British guitar luthier Patrick James Eggle, who has been hand-building guitars for decades for some of the biggest names in the business. Founded in 2002, Faith Guitars have been voted the UK's best acoustic guitars five times in a row by both the public and panels of music industry experts, so you can be confident in your new Faith Guitar. Like all quality acoustics, Faith Guitars are made of all solid tone wood, so you can be sure they'll start off sounding great and improve year on year. Faith don't use laminated woods. But you'll be pleased to know that despite the all solid tone woods, the superb specification and handmade construction, Faith Guitars are still affordable, with prices starting at around £450 or $600. US Discover the range at faithguitars.com and then visit one of the many UK or Europe European retailers to try them for yourself. But hold up! If you're in the USA or Canada, you can buy direct at faithguitarsusa.com and by using the coupon code NERDS at the checkout, you can get an exclusive 10% discount. So, in the UK and Europe, check out the guitars at your local dealer or faithguitars.com. But for North American listeners, Buy direct at faithguitarsusa.com and use the coupon code NERDS for a special 10% off at the checkout. That's USA coupon code NERDS at the checkout. Faith Guitars, award-winning acoustics, designed right here 
in the UK. Yeah, in, in fact, uh, in terms of the you know updating things, um, so it's two P90s in there, although they don't look like traditional P90s. No, they're like, they're like gold foil P90s. Yeah, they're They've also much. gone for, it's fan fretted, seven string, they're microtonal frets <laughs> sure, as well. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. No, uh, the update that I was going to suggest is that there's a, a push-pull knob on there as well. So you've got what they describe as two tonal presets. So as well as the three-way switch and the volume control, there's also the uh, two... Uh, like I guess it's going to be like a filter of some sort I'd imagine um, well, that's pretty cool yeah oh, I didn't realise that that's great that's a wonderful addition yeah definitely so yeah very keen to um to try one out um, there's, do you know they- what when I saw these get posted I've never seen I mean it's such a cool guitar I've never seen so many guitarists complain about not having a tone knob like honestly when was the last time anyone ever used a tone knob and all of a sudden because this guitar didn't have one yeah you know, out 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 of the woodwork everyone came but that's cool so there are actually tonal presets on this yeah yeah definitely yeah so you've got some options there despite not having a tone knob as you say the only thing I'm disappointed at in looking at pictures of the uh, H44 is that there's kind of like an orange metallic that they used to do it in like a I guess Dude, what, are you joking are you are you building into this what? what what no I'm not building into anything yeah Harmony have introduced a new colour for this model rose which is their sort of metallic orange red um, is it the so, same colour though? Because I'm looking at oh yeah, champagne yeah. Uh, in fact, because yeah. I, I can't, I haven't seen a picture of the rose one. I've seen champagne and pearl white. Yeah, th- those are the colours they're leading with certainly. But they've introduced a new colour um, for uh, for this guitar, which was not available on the other three models that they launched the brand with. But um, yeah, I'm looking yeah. at a picture of it now though. It's like more, way more red. It's way more red. The rose finish, um, whereas the other one, yeah, it was like a metallic orange kind right. of copper um I, I guess the closest one is actually the champagne which is kind of like a gray sparkle you know oh, like i know a, the color that you're actually yeah, talking yeah. about yeah yeah, the, yeah 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 uh i wish they would do that if you're going to make uh if you're going to make one and for me to buy it it needs to be in the sparkly orange they have a, an absolutely fantastic range of colours to to choose from in the original Harmony line. I still think they're doing a fantastic job of it, and I'm sure as the brand continues to expand, they'll introduce more colours. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm so excited about what they're going to do with Harmony uh, in the next twelve months. It'll be really interesting to see what else they release and how it performs end of year gear of the year uh, time. But yeah, I think uh, the Juno is a great step in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, speaking of kind of weird, cool boutique guitars, Fano guitars um, have have introduced uh, for the first time an an affordable line of instruments. Now, oh, man, whenever I use the word affordable, I always get flack uh, from people. This this is a custom shop, uh, you know, brand, and they have introduced a range of guitars that are all around the thousand dollar mark. I think that is an an accessible price point in terms of what that company normally put out so this is the omnis series by um uh by fano and it uh it it includes i think four different um four different models in the in the omnis series each one fantastic obviously all of them incredibly affordable so they have the uh the the gf6 which is very much a starcaster style offset um uh, hollow body sort of offset 335 style guitar and, and you know even in that they've they've offered something for for everyone these ones are 999 us dollars they're doing it in like a 
a Daphne blue with like a little white guard and then you can get it in in black with a torque guard or in a two-tone sunburst with a black guard all with cream binding double humbuckers this is absolutely i mean if you've seen the fano headstocks it's incredibly cool it follows the line of all kind of these sort of modern come retro boutique uh manufacturers doing that two-tone headstock so it just oh, it, it looks amazing and to get something from this brand at this price point i think is absolutely fantastic then they've introduced the mg6 actually reintroduced it i think that's a that's a guitar that they have had available before um the mg6 um which is fitted with two p90s that's very much a mustang style guitar but it's got something of an old harmony about it as well slightly sharper edges and more of a uh, more of a, a hard top less rounded at the edges whilst it's not bound it certainly looks like it it could be um, a very gorgeous sort of premium Mustang. Again, this one available in uh, in a Daphne blue, this time with a torque guard, and then a white and a candy apple red as well, uh, which look absolutely fantastic. They've then also re- re- released the JM6 and the SP6. The JM6 is a jazz master, as as you know, as you would expect, and that one is probably the closest to a. You know, everything else kind of has a bit of a a, a Fano vibe about it. The the JM6 is very much a sort of jazz master esque guitar, but crucially, what's very important about the jazz master is it is eight hundred and forty nine US dollars, and it is available in burgundy mist. That's the dream for Joe Branton. Uh, absolutely, the best color of all time. But the SP6, I think, is the best thing that Fano have released because it is. Do you remember, Mark? We were talking about who was it? Was it Court who released a bolt on? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Les Paul Jr. with a Telecaster pickup in the bridge and a P90 in the neck. Yeah, almost exactly this guitar. So I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware, Joe, but so uh, the Fano models go all the way from... Um, the Omnis series, which are the ones we're talking about right now. And yeah, like you said, something like an SP6, you're looking at, at what, $849, I think is the yeah. Pri- yeah, the price they list on their site. Um, but all of the models, 
kind of continue all the way up through the range. So after that, you get the standards. Uh, and again, it's basically the same guitars. There's a few other options, including a bass. Um, but like, for example, the JM6, you then jump up to about $2,000 on those guitars uh, and then you, after that you can then have you know custom built stuff and the the master built stuff and things like that which go up to about three and a half thousand dollars um but what i really like about it is this is a, basically a custom shop builder thinking okay i've got these great designs and i want to bring them back into price points that are affordable so again you know you've got the custom builder stuff then you come down to the standards and then you come down to this brand new line uh which is the omnis series or omnis maybe i assume it's omnis um and for things like the SP6, which is a guitar that I've always looked at and thought, oh, you know, I love tellies, I love juniors, this looks fantastic. But to be honest, I'm never going to spend, I wouldn't even really go up to the standard pricing, which is, like I said, about $2,000. But $849, what's that going to yeah. come down to in pounds? Probably about £700, £750, yeah, pounds, exactly. something like that. Um, <laughs> It's, it's almost a bit of a no-brainer. I want to own a Fano for £700. That's- yeah, totally. And it's exactly the same design. So, yeah, in terms of looks, they've not really changed anything. Um, it's just you're getting a, a, a very similar guitar at three different kind of spec points, three different um, manufacturing styles. Uh, the Fano range just totally makes sense to me. All of these guitars look amazing. Um, SP6 is, you know, they, just because they, of- they should be immediately sold out and overordered on these at this sort of price point. Well, uh, they- just looking at it now, it looks like you can't buy direct from their site on the Omnis. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, no, can't buy direct from them. Has anyone in the UK got them yet? Let's have a look. I I doubt that. I doubt. I don't think they've got UK distribution. Uh, they uh, have. They've got some shops. Yeah, definitely. Oh, really? Um, oh. Yeah, they have. Uh, let's have a look. What have they got? Mm, none of the Omnis yet, but I assume they'll be on their yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, it's I just think... been released. It's Nam. I mean, this, well, yeah, I think they'll be, be very, very popular. <sighs> I mean, who wouldn't want one of these? Like, if you were, if you saw this in a shop at, uh, alongside the competition at this sort of price point, I think it is an absolute no-brainer. This could, this could be the year of Fano guitars. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, definitely, definitely, super excited about seeing those more affordable SP6s because. That might be the one guitar that I buy this year. Yeah, uh, an incredibly wise choice if you do. Um, now, next up, um, our friends at Orange have uh, have had a little run of releases for Nam this year. Nothing big, literally nothing big. Um, they seem to have become obsessed with small things. Mark Packham. Indeed. Well, they, you know, Orange uh, have always been good at kind of doing big sounding stuff. In small boxes. I mean, they've all, they've obviously done the other thing as well, which is make big sounding stuff in incredibly big boxes. Um, but, you know, recently with things like the Tiny Terror and the Bass Terror, they've managed to kind of bring some of that down into smaller, more movable gear. Um, and even more so this year. So two new bass releases from Orange. Um, you've got the Little Bass Thing, uh, which is a 500-watt, uh, portable bass head um, that 
I guess it, you know, they're taking cues from all of the small heads that we've seen ever since Mark Base really brought this kind of idea to the market. Um, they are using it's a Class D uh, output stage, I believe. Let me just. It is. Get that's right. Yeah, yeah five hundred watt Class D powerhouse is how they describe it. Um, and I had a quick listen to the demo. What I like about it is it's got a great range of tones. It's going from super modern to some more, uh, you know characteristically orange sounds which is not usual for orange i mean certainly when they released the terror bass head yeah fine everyone bought it but everyone sounded the same like, yeah you, the, the eq literally did nothing on that head yeah so you've got in terms of eq on here you've got a uh, four band eq i believe uh, so two controls for the mids uh, yes, I believe two controls for the mids. Let me just get that spec. Sorry, we're rattling through loads of news and uh, yeah. Sorry, have it's... I gone a little too fast for you? There, no, 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 no. I just haven't got the, I haven't got the spec in front of me. But and it looks like four band of EQ, uh, and then you've got volume and gain on there. You've also got a. Let me just check. This is a man reading the internet. It's what you're <laughs> paying for patreon backers yeah so you've got a built-in compressor on the on the little bass thing which is which is quite cool yes and, uh, yeah that's sorry that was it's not the game you've got com- compression yeah, control you've on got there. yeah there's, um, there's... D- di output effects loop um and 60 db input pad you know all the things that you would expect from a modern bass amp but yeah the key thing is go and listen to the demo that orange produced because it sounds fantastic and like you say it, everyone who buys one of these is not going to sound all exactly the same which was kind of you know the the Terra bass head had a very characteristic sound, um, and this is definitely aimed more at your kind of well, this se- is session player. Yeah, I would this say. is this is. I mean, certainly they got a session player in for their their video, which yeah. is unique for Orange because normally they just go for some sort of all out you know rock or metal guy. Um, but but yes, I I actually think this is Orange branching out a little bit. Um, yeah. and trying to have something for someone else. And you're right, as you say, sort of more along the mark base market. Um that yeah, I don't I don't know if I don't know how much dominance mark base have anymore because I've been so long sort of out of a base department in a shop. I don't know what the kids are buying. Just for, in terms of like gigs that I go to, the base is always, I mean, I would say it's a pretty open playing field, but I do see a lot of Mark Bass. I think it's mostly because of the kind of gigs that I go to, you know, there'll be people that are traveling in cars or they'll be traveling sure. on the train or the bus. So I do see a lot of little Marks out there still, you know, on, still, um, still on, going. On the scene that I, I see, I, I see a pretty even split between um, orange and Ashdown, okay. and then Dark Glass coming up really fast. Yep. Certainly with the more proggy bands, because of course you know you're going to punk shows and I'm going to math rock shows. But the the math shows we obviously have a lot of prog bands and things like that. And when you get onto sort of the post metal side of 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 prog, um, you, we're seeing an awful lot of Dark Glass, some real dominance right. from well, that inter- end of things. Interesting to know, yeah, because like I said, from from my perspective, it's. You know, I think people are buying Mark Bass because it is a kind of go-to small amp. You know, um, they just the problem with Mark Bass is they don't drive very well. Yeah, and and you know, which is totally fine. I mean, why wouldn't you want a clean pedal platform and then deal with everything on the floor? But certainly for a lot of bass players, and what I do, people tend to like to drive things. Why? Which is why you see a lot of Ashdown ABMs. They've got a separate like valve driving control that you can bring in and out to drive that preamp, and. Um, and yeah, you see see a lot of orange. You certainly see a lot of people shelling out the extra um, the extra wedge for the uh, for the AD two hundred, the orange AD two hundred, which is has got to be one of the best sounding bass heads of all time. But 
you know, still... it's Also one of the biggest. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's not half the size of an Ashdown CTM that's 300. That's true, or an SVT, <laughs> a big SVT Classic yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. I guess, I guess that's true, that's true. Exactly, but um, I think great product, great idea. Yeah, be, um, be really interested to see if the kind of uptake from this uh, is... I wonder if it's going to be taken up by people that want that kind of little mark experience, but they they love the orange brand. Absolutely. Um, I wonder if that's where this is going to go. And if they if we do, then that's that's great. Um, yeah, be uh, be curious to see that. Orange, One thing I, th- I yeah, think sort of orange were a, a little bit lucky almost releasing this this year in the um, Ampeg. Uh, still, obviously, Ampeg are now part of the Yamaha family, but we still haven't seen any big new releases from from Ampeg, which you know will be very exciting when they do come. Yeah. But had Yamaha relaunched Ampeg this year, I think I think Orange competing with a 500 watt um, entry level amplifier, um, it, it could it could have really gone the other way for them. Is it? This is don't get me wrong, a fantastic product. I would just I would I would. If I was going to give advice to brands like Orange and Ashdown right now, it would be make more big valve heads because, you know, as soon as Ampeg come back. Tough market, though. Tough market, big valve heads, because there's only, you know, you're limiting the amount of people that can actually buy buy the product because, you know, I I play a bit of bass every now and then. There's absolutely no way I'd be buying a big valve head. But but I don't understand why bass players have this obsession with weight and size. Like, we don't talk about this with the guitarists. Like, a guitarist would be fine to bring whatever valve head. In fact, you would almost still, like, the katana is almost the first product that's that's kind of getting over the sort of laughter factor. you say that, but like, how many bands gig with like a Blues Junior and, for example, like a Marshall 1974X? You know, where there's no, you know, little I mean, combos. Not, I think not the, in what I see, but well, but sure, sure. But I mean, I think the the difference is like, bass combos generally haven't been very good. So it means you have to have if you have a big bulky head, then you also have to have big bulky cabs, at least one, sometimes two. Um, whereas this reduces some of that. You know, if you've got a, a little orange head or a little mark base or whatever, and uh, some lightweight neo cabs, you can still get a very good bass sound out of that, and you don't necessarily need a big rig. Um, so, so yeah. Anyway, I think they're going to do very well with the little bass thing. I'd be curious to see who's buying them, and I think, like I said, it will be people that have previously thought about getting a small bass head, but they, there's not been a kind of rock focused solution uh for them um and the orange brand and the fact that there's a compressor in there and stuff kind of err towards that a little bit so yeah so yeah it's a cool product the other base product that orange released uh is the base butler um described as basically a uh base rig in a floor pedal so this but is it's not a power amp right it's just a preamp exactly that just a preamp so i guess this is kind of swimming in the same waters as something like a sans amp um, or the backspan guitar and which was yeah, the uh... yeah also the backspan guitar but uh you know the i guess the backspan guitar yeah, that was just preamp stuff, wasn't it? That was it? just a preamp. Yeah, that was yeah. just uh, that you know that was your rock of verb fifty and preamp form essentially. This is them doing the same thing, I guess, but for bass. Yeah, similar. Actually, just um, thinking about it, the DI outs on this do have ca- uh, tone uh, cabinet simulations on there. Yeah, so there is some element of kind of so modeling this is a sans there amp. as well. Yeah, ex- I mean, it's a direct recording solution, or you know, direct out to the PA. The key thing about it though is that it's got two channels on there so you've got um 
a bass channel, which is always on, and then a selectable guitar channel on there as well um, that deals with the kind of top-endy drive. So if you want that kind of classic, almost like bi-amped bass sound where you've got the low rumble but you've got a lot of kind of grind on the top end this will do that and it's selectable as well so you can almost use it like a drive pedal you know where you have your bass sound and then you kick in the the grindy guitar sound as well um i was really impressed by this actually the demo is super super impressive and definitely worth your time having a, a listen there's also some some good information there about like the routing um because you can split the signals as well you can send the guitar channel one way you can send the bass channel one way or you can combine them um and yeah it it just sounded great uh, and i think if if you were after a very quick and decent solution for going straight into a desk whether that be for recording or whether you want it for um live use this certainly gives some competition to the sans amp i liked it a lot sounded fantastic yes yeah i bet now there's one more product from uh, orange there is the orange stomp. Um, no, no, the orange stamp. Stamp, even the terror stamp. stamp. Um, yes, not the stomp. The terror stamp. So this is a uh, hybrid twenty watt valve guitar amp pedal. So floor based twenty watt amp. This uh, re- this truly is the year of pedal board amplifiers. Yeah. Um, this is this is exciting now. So 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 it's twenty watt. It's valve pre. So I guess this is the same as the micro terror, but with a with an on off switch. Yeah, and also louder. How loud is with a micro terror? Twenty watts. Oh right, okay, fine. So yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's a kind of similar a floor solution to that, really. Like you say, on off. Uh, which switch was. On. Which was a big problem with the with the micro terror. It was obviously it was a wonderful sounding amp, but it looked like a toy. And then it had this really awkward power supply because uh, it ran on like you know there's the little power supplies you get for pedals, which I know this one will as well. But this one's on your board. That one was an amp head. You put something like that on top of a cab, and it's got the transformer hanging out the back, pulling on it as well. You know you're just as likely to. To, to, for it to rip out than you are to actually be able to play anything with it. So this this is a much better solution for what was a fantastic product in the Micro Terra. Yeah, and actually the foot switch on there is not an on-off switch. Uh, the foot switch is a volume switch. So you've got two volumes on the Terra Stamp um, and you can basically jump between them. It's a master volume on-off. I um, love that. Which... Yeah, it means that you can get a nice boost for solos or boost for a particular part of the song or, or whatever. It gives you two different volume levels. This looks cool. Uh, again, you know, I think a lot of people will be buying these as a kind of a backup. You know, if something fails while you're out doing a, a gig, this would be the perfect solution for that. Slip it into your gig bag. 149 quid. Um, it's going to save you from, you know, digging an amp out from somewhere else. Has or, a cab sim out as well if yeah, you were playing on headphones totally. or you want to go straight into a door? Yep, yeah, exactly that. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's a cool little product. I th- you know, anything like this that can help you out if you can st- it, slip it into a gig bag and it's basically your amp for the night. I think well, it's at that fantastic. sort of price point, at that sort of price point, it's it's you know, I don't know, almost five times cheaper than the the other competition that we'll talk about or hopefully talk about on this podcast if we get to it. You know, the you know, certainly we were talking uh, things about the the Milkman the amp, yeah, uh, one hundred their their new edition again. You know, fantastic 
fantastic piece of quit, uh, equipment. But when we're talking about pedal board amplifiers, the fact that Orange are offering the same thing at such an incredibly affordable price point, I appreciate not nearly as much headroom. But nonetheless, a gigging solution at you know sub two hundred pounds is is absolutely. Uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. And um, we, I think we will talk about some more pedalboard amps, but I think it's going to have to be in the Patreon because we're we're nearly up at time, right? W- well, we are. Yeah, I'm going to do one more product, and then we're gonna um, then we're gonna take some questions. We're going to take two questions, and then we'll be in the Patreon. I reckon we can do that. Yeah, sounds good. That? that sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Fine. Okay. So, uh, you, you know, we we're trying to get through, guys, as many products as as we can. I appreciate we're we're just sort of hammering you with gear and and being less funny than normal. But there is there is so much stuff and there's so much cool stuff that we're so excited about, and we really think you should be as well. That we just want to talk about it. And one of the one of the things that I'm most excited about. Um, now I put this in the Facebook group as well. I was incredibly excited that Chase Bliss have finally put a time on their on their preamp uh, coming out. Th- their preamp, th- the preamp that we're talking about is obviously their um, this new pedal design for Chase Bliss. It's it's a slightly the wider, or- broader. The, the automaton is that the one that you're talking about? No, I'm talking about the uh, the preamp Mark IV or Mark. Yeah, I think it's Mark IV. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, is it also called the Automaton? I didn't know that. Uh, I, don't, auto- I don't think it is. No, the Automaton is another pedal. Yes, yeah, okay. So I'm talking about the preamp, which is the, the pedal that they, they had a prototype of last year at NAM, And uh, it was a wider format, dual foot switch, and it came with a range of faders, but they were mechanically preset faders. So they would automatically... No, wait, that is the Automaton. Mark II, Automaton Mark II preamp. Oh, is that what they're calling it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that, that's how much I don't remember names. Sorry, yes, the Mark II preamble comes out. I'm sure listeners were screaming at us whilst, uh, whilst I fumbled that one. But As yes, always, there was, I mean, yeah. nothing doesn't change anything. <laughs> no, no, exactly. But fantastic pedal. Very exciting that that preamp was coming into existence. And then, I'm not, I'm not even talking about that pedal, just to double whammy us with cool stuff, Chase Bliss have teamed up with Meris, which apparently they've been planning for years, um, uh, they've teamed up with Mer- Meris and in the same style chassis um, complete with faders, preset buttons and dual foot switches they have released a collaboration pedal the CXM1978 which is both companies takes, take on the on the Lexicon 224 uh, which was a, a, you know, a, a, a unit made until 1978 a digital studio reverb unit so this is Absolutely. Now, there's no price confirmed on this pedal, but if it's like the preamp, then it's going to be in upwards of sort of seven hundred and fifty dollars. So we're talking about a very expensive pedal, but nonetheless, I really think this is one of the best sounding reverbs you'll ever hear. Go and watch the reverb, as in reverb.com demo that they've done with um, the fellows from Chase Bliss, uh, because it sounds absolutely amazing. Um, you know, it's just simple hall room plate reverb. But because of the the tone shaping that you can do with the uh, with the actual mix presets, EQs, and post delay, you can get some gorgeous shimmeresque tones, the most ethereal reverb you've ever heard, and then you know at the flick of a button, the most organic amp sounding uh, reverb that you'll ever hear. Um, I love that I you th- consistently can't pronounce ethereal. It's my favourite thing. You said ethereal. ethereal. 
ethereal. I think it's. I love it. I love it. I love that it's consistent as well. It's not. Whenever you've talked about it, it's not like you messed it up once. Every time you say that word, you say yeah. something completely different. I love I, I it. I don't know how I do that. It's weird. I, I think it's like you know. When I used to for a long time. I used to pronounce the word unique uncue. No, you, you know? didn't. Leave it out. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, just uh, to, in terms of the naming on this, I think both these pedals are actually branded automaton, um, and it looks like. I mean, essentially, there's there's so there's two pedals, the preamp uh, and now this CXM 1978 automaton. Um, so I wonder if this basically they're going to do a range of pedals potentially with that are all automaton that are in this housing. I wonder if that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But honestly, listener, go and watch the video. I think I appreciate that the price point of these these pedals is probably going to be a is is going to be something that's going to switch some people off, but. I think it is a wonderful sounding reverb. I, for one, am very, very um, excited about it. Now, um, you know, that that is, we've got so much more news to do. We've but, done um, one, two, three, four, five, six out of the podcast running order has one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve more to do. Well, that's okay. We've got a whole podcast. We can still, we, we've got a whole Patreon episode, which we can, you know, get through the rest. But, yeah, you but know. The, the first one's called the mini bar. We're going to be talking about you boozing probably for yeah. the first 10 or 15 <laughs> that's minutes. That's true. But, but Mark, Mark, what, what's that? I can hear. No, don't agree with that. You've made the wrong oh, choice. Oh, this yes. Year. That's... No, don't agree with that. You've no, made no, the wrong choice this year. The question, Mark. Oh, you played me this jingle earlier. I hate it. That was the question mark jingle, it. yeah, because it. because your your name Mark can have a question mark, which means it is time for the question part of uh, of this podcast. So we're going to take some questions from our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum. Um, okay, so we're only going to take a couple. So um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take. I've got one question. That's a little off topic, but um, I knew you'd enjoy to answer it, Mark. So one question for you and then one question for me that are both moderately off topic. So Pete, Nor- Pete Norman says, uh, obviously, Guitar Nerds is the world's number one podcast and my personal favourite. True dat. But, true dat. It is the but, world's number one podcast. Not is, even just guitars. True. It's the world's number one it podcast. It is just the most listened to podcast in the world. Um, but which podcasts do you guys listen to regularly? They don't have to be guitar related. He's just interested. So for Pete, um, Mark Packham, uh, what what podcast are you listening to at the I, moment? It's I, probably the guy who consumes the most podcasts out of all of us. So I've, I actually just grabbed my phone because I've got a podcast app on here. I currently subscribe to 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, well, just, just say 18, which ones. You- <laughs> 20, 22, 24, 26, 28, 30, 31 podcasts um right not all of which put out episodes regularly but there's a few i want to give a specific shout out to number one bad things they've only done one episode uh, this is my brother's podcast which he started this week um oh. it's him and his friend review bad stuff like things that are uh culturally significant for their badness um so yeah check that out bad things this week they talked in depth about arc music factory uh which was the studio behind rebecca black's friday um and they delve right. into, they delve into the history of the arc music factory and Very talk about some of the other artists that uh they produced that's worth listening to um i enjoyed it a lot you know it's a bit weird to hear my brother's voice for two hours but um yeah the the episode was cool um i also listened to 
uh, podcast called The Dummy Room, which is a great punk rock podcast. Uh, more on the side of like Ramonesy punk rock. Uh, and they talk to various artists in the genre uh, and they do like you know, ranking a certain band's albums in order of which ones are their favourite. They're two really good dudes who run that. I like that a lot. Uh, I also, on a guitar thing, uh, I would say listen to the Get Offset podcast. Very, very interesting. Um, It's it's a guitar podcast, but they delve into... um, more than we do. You know, we we generally stick to the news and we stick to a lot of product-based stuff. That's what we're known for. That's what we do best. Um, Get Offset, uh, you know, they delve into, like, um, how to put it? It gets it gets heavier. Let's just say that. Let's say that, and I enjoy that a lot. And then, yeah, just some classics. Listen to the Giant Bombcast. That's my, uh, that's my fix of gaming stuff. And I've really been enjoying My Dad Wrote a Porno recently, which is something that I uh, resisted listening to for a long time. It's a podcast where one of the presenters' dads has written an an erotic novel and they read it out. I'm sure people that listen to this podcast have heard about it. It's one of the biggest British podcasts in podcasting history. I'm shamefully, I'm just catching up on it now and I like it a lot. Oh, there you go. There you go. Wonderful. Well, that is uh, is an awful lot of, uh, of, of podcasting. I like podcasts a lot. It's my main thing that I do. I would say, in fact, I can give you some stats. I've had this phone for three and a half years, and in that time, my total combined time listening to podcasts is 203 days. So out of roughly 1,000 days-ish, a bit more than that. How many days do you get in a year? 1,000? What's wrong with you? Um I would say so. Yeah, I've out of roughly a thousand, maybe twelve hundred days, I've listened to two hundred full days of podcasts. That's in impressive. That, time. that I, is impressive. Basically, if I'm not doing a podcast with you, I'm listening to a podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm only I'm actually only listening to one podcast at the moment. Guitar Terrible, nerds. Really. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm listening to the Whiskey Cast. Of course, the they all make sense. Very, very good. No, I've um I've actually recently got very, very into whiskey. Did we mention this on the podcast that I went on like a a whiskey course? No, and I learned. I, yeah, I learned how to how to blend and how flavors work. And I also I went on like a day seminars about the history of whiskey. I mean, it was a it was a seminar for a day about the history of whiskey. But approximately every twenty minutes, you were given a new dram of whiskey that involved whatever was being spoken about. So by the end of the six hours, it was, uh, you know, it was anyone's game. <laughs> yes, I bet. You know, it did, I, bet but, I bet but, you don't remember much of it. It's not great value for money, that tour. I, t- you... I tell you what, I actually think I remember a lot more than most people because I think, you know, I, I drink much more consistently than the average person. But um, I, I did find that I was incredibly interested in it. And so, you know, as with guitars, I figured – well, maybe I should start a podcast on whiskey only to discover that is it is an incredibly well beaten topic. You know, there are there are there are there are lots of people making fantastic um whiskey podcasts out there. Whiskey Ginger was also um uh very good. I, I enjoyed that. I I've been trying to get into them uh as they go, but yeah, the whiskey cast is certainly the one that um that I like the most. Uh, despite being American hosts, I think their 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 knowledge on 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 
on Scottish and Irish whiskey is very, very good. Well, if, that, if they're whiskey experts, then yes, I'd imagine we, it would well, be. Well, yes, but there's whiskey with an E or without. And uh, I was concerned that, that a whiskey podcast was going to be dominated by bourbon drinkers. Sort of thing. Got it. But it, but it, but it, seems, it seems to not be. Uh, predominantly, it, it, there seems to be a really good appreciation for, you know, for, for Scotland and their, you know, introduction of the of the blended whiskey and Ireland and their, you know, faithful uh, consistency with single malts. And then, of course, Japan coming out of nowhere to redefine what whiskey is, certainly over the last few years. So I know um, literally nothing about whiskey. It's, it's fine. It's fine. You know, technically, it, it, by Scottish standards, a lot of the Japanese stuff isn't whiskey because the Scottish stuff has such strict... Uh, laws on what what can what can go into a drink to make it whiskey. So there's you know, there's, but nonetheless, whiskey is really cool. Um, anyway, we're going to do one more question. This one's more geared up for me. Matthew Hunt said uh, he'd like to know what my current touring rig is. So I thought I'd I'd answer that one. Do you know what my current touring rig is, Mark? No. Uh, uh, Ashdown. I'd imagine, and uh, I don't know what. I don't even know what base you're taking out. Surely, you there's only one gigging base that you ever need, so that's the one. Okay, fine. So from amplifier through to guitar, then at the moment I am touring uh, an Ashdown CTM 300 valve head, uh, which weighs an absolute ton. Uh, honestly, you know the the only thing heavier than it is the massive flight case that I had to get for it to, to be able to take it around places. But yeah, the CTM 300 is Ashdown's kind of take on an SVT classic, that sort of thing. So very, very good, super big, all valve head. And I run that into uh, a single a 115 cab that I've had custom made by Ashdown. So it's uh, Ashdown uh, some years ago did a classic range of cabs, which were black Tolex with a, with a red mesh. And I had that cab opened. I had cotton wool lined um the old ampeg cabs from the 70s had a cotton wool lining in order to get rid of a lot of that top end so um so yeah i had i had it filled with cotton wool for 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 that reason so i'm running into one of those cabs then on the floor i am still using the boss ms3 had a brief flutter with the uh with the with the helix lt but that I've resigned to studio use and I am back to the Boss MS3 being the main sort of brain of my pedal board. But then the actual effects I run into are very limited because I have realised that the built-in effects on the MS3 are absolutely as good as you need them to be in many cases. So the effects that I'm running into them is obviously a compressor and with a compressor you have to have there's you have to have a good compressor. You can't cheap out on a compressor. You just have to get something fantastic. Just make sure it's the right compressor for you. So uh, in my case, I'm using the Origin Effects, their Kali Bass uh, compressor, which is very, very good indeed. Um, a random control that that actually has on it is a, is a, is a low cut. Which is surprisingly for for a for a, a bass compressor very very useful for getting rid of some of those really super woolly unwanted tones depending on the room that you're playing in so a, a really good interactive studio style reverb um, and then drive wise I'm using the uh, the Hudson uh, Electronics broadcast uh, just the simple three control broadcast with the um, the switchable gain control and I have it on the low gain mode all the time. That's just my, my standard overdrive on and off. And then if I need super, super drive, then I'm actually using the built-in drive on the, on the MS3 to add to the broadcast sound. And then my modulation, which um, I did post the other day, I'm going through a little bit of a, 
I'm unsure as I was unsure between the free the tone tri avatar chorus and the boss DC two dimension chorus because they're both such fantastic kind of vibrant three-dimensional chorus sounds and i i have chorus on all the time you see i never turn it off so um i was going to have one of those two pedals i actually chose neither of them and went back to a pedal that i previously had on my board which was the strymon deco um i can't believe you use that on bass why not? Why, I, why I don't know. It just seems like a funny pedal to use on bass. It, like I, I can't imagine it's geared up for it particularly. But I mean, if you make it work, it works. Yeah, I mean, the the cool thing about the Deco is you've got two sounds on there. One thing that's quite nice is uh, um, because well, the next thing in in chain is that I I play jazz basses um, at the moment. Um, so um, and I find jazz basses can be a little thin sounding. I really love how articulate they are, and I love the single coil on the bridge. It, you know, in in conjunction with chorus, it, it just it, it makes your harmonic sparkle a lot more, which is why I really like jazz basses at the moment. Um, but they can sound a bit thin, and that's actually where the Deco comes in really handy because the Deco is a dual foot switch uh, pedal, and it's like a vintage effects unit. So on one side you have like tape saturation, which you can. I have just over halfway and I have it on. So this sits out of the chain of the MS3 just on all the time. And that tape saturation just makes everything woolly again. Yeah. So everything that the jazz bass sort of thins out gets really thickened at the end by the uh, um, by the Strymon Deco. And then the second the second control is your um, is sort of the 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 tape, as it were, how that tape is being manipulated. If it was a vintage effect, so you can have anything from sort of flange to chorus to uh, to doubling to slap back at the very extreme, so I have it just in a in a sort of chorusy territory, obviously, because yeah, I'm yeah. using it instead of a of, of a chorus pedal. But really, the Strymon Deco, absolutely fantastic pedal. I, I see exactly what you mean. It's not a very bassy pedal, but for the specific and very specific application that I have it for, it's wonderful. Um, but I can see how it could be a little bit much if I was. I think if I ever changed. Well, if I ever, when I change to a different bass, <laughs> you, you know, it, it it could well be something that will have to come off. I think it specifically works with thin sounding basses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To just a thick. I mean, that's kind of the point of the deco in general, isn't it? To thicken up the sound of everything. Yeah, give it that it's real old like tape that. style sound. Yeah, it's a Telecaster's best friend, but you're never going to use it with a Les Paul. No, well, I mean, maybe. I reckon you could still use it. You can still make a Les Paul sound pretty bright. Um, it just depends on how you use it. Yeah. Yes, I guess that's right. Anyway, that that uh, that that pretty much brings us up to uh, uh, to time. Oh God, I got my script wrong then, Mark. I was I was I was sort of getting carried away talking. Uh, why do you need a script? We do this every week. Well, yeah, it, but it's it's an important scripting moment. <clears throat> so now we're drawing towards the end of this week's free episode. I love of the you even script that bit. You're ridiculous. You're a ridiculous man. You can of course listen to the entire extra episode of Guitar Nerds every week over on our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. You can also find it in the description of this podcast episode. This week on our Patreon episode, we're going to be talking about, well, we've got the other half of the NAM news to talk through. So more hashtag NAM 2020 will be, uh, be on the way. To become a Patreon supporter, it costs you only a dollar a month and you can enjoy the podcast ad-free and early every week, plus be a part of our live audience and participate in our semi-regular 
Guitar Nerds Live episodes. At the $5 tier, you can enjoy an entire extra episode every week, plus access to our entire back catalogue of miniseries like Question Hole, Bar Chords, and the Friday Specials. And at the $10 tier, you can become an executive producer and enjoy all these benefits, plus you get the prestigious honour of having your name featured in our podcast outro song. You can follow us on uh, all the major social platforms with at Guitar Nerds and you can join our Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds forum. Thank you very much for tuning in and we'll be back next week with more of this Guitar Nerdery. Farewell. Bye-bye. Jeffrey Wax, Mario Turan, Brian Einzler, Gavin Van der Linden, Jacob McGee, Marcus Al, Kadowacki, Stuart Robson, Robert Butterworth, Neil Milton, Rob Barstow, and Christian Lon Hansen, Keith Adams, and Eric Fern, Andrew Good, and Marin Peters, Richard Sutworth, and Jack Hartmore. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.